0: Climate scientists predict that sustained global warming at 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels could overwhelm societies and upend economies and political systems.
1: That's from a story posted by the Washington Post. The headline of the story was, Earth passed a feared global warming milestone Friday, at least briefly. And this is the latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean. This podcast is assembled here in Shepparton, in Northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I Pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Let's now hear the rest of that story from the Washington Post.
0: This news story was written by Scott Dance. Earth passed a feared global warming milestone Friday, at least briefly. Average global temperatures were more than 2 degrees Celsius above a pre-industrial benchmark on Friday, preliminary data show. The planet marked an ominous milestone Friday, the first day global warmth crossed a threshold, if only briefly, that climate scientists have warned could have calamitous consequences. Preliminary data show global temperatures averaged more than 2 degrees Celsius, 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, above a historic norm, from a time before humans started consuming fossil fuels and emitting planet-warming greenhouse gases. That does not mean efforts to limit global warming have failed, yet. Temperatures would have to surpass the 2-degree benchmark for months and years at a time before scientists consider it breached. But it's a striking reminder that the climate is moving into uncharted territory. Friday marked the first time that everyday fluctuations around global temperature norms, which have been steadily increasing for decades, swung the planet beyond the dangerous threshold. It occurs after months of record warmth that have stunned many scientists, defying some expectations of how quickly temperatures would accelerate this year. I think while we should not read too much into a single day above 2C, or 1.5C for that matter, it's a startling sign nonetheless of the level of extreme global temperatures we are experiencing in 2023. Zeke Hausfather, a climate scientist with Stripe and Berkeley Earth, said in a message to the Washington Post. Samantha Burgess, deputy director of the European Union's Copernicus Climate Change Service, said Sunday on the social media platform X that Friday's global temperatures were 1.17 C, 2.1 F above the 1991 to 2020 average, a record-setting margin. Given how much human-caused warming had occurred by that period, that means Friday's average global temperature was 2.06 C, 3.7 F, above a pre-industrial reference period, 1850 to 1900, she said. The estimate of global warmth comes from a European model that uses the same sorts of observations used in weather predictions to instead look backward and estimate global climate conditions nearly in real time. Direct observations that scientists will gather and vet in the coming weeks could soon confirm the record warmth. A year of record-setting warmth continues. That the globe surpassed the two-degree warming benchmark for at least one day adds an exclamation point to a string of temperature records set in recent months. Global temperatures set records in July, August, September, and October. The Copernicus data shows that trend has been maintained, if not accelerated, into November. Even before Saturday, scientists said 2023 was virtually certain to surpass 2016 as the globe's warmest on record, and likely to mark one of its warmest periods in 125,000 years, going back to a time before Earth's last ice age. That estimate is based on paleoclimate records that show there was at least no extended period of the sort of warmth the planet is now experiencing, and that temperatures are rising with unprecedented speed. Analyses released this month show 2023 average global temperatures are likely to end up 1.3 to 1.4 C, 2.3 to 2.5 F, above pre-industrial levels. Climate scientists predict that sustained global warming at 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels could overwhelm societies and upend economies and political systems. Planetary warming is only expected to accelerate in the coming months because of a deepening El Nino the infamous climate pattern that drives weather extremes and raises global temperatures by releasing vast stores of heat from the Pacific Ocean into the atmosphere. But that surge of El Nino-fueled warmth typically does not arrive until after the climate pattern reaches its peak, something forecast to occur this winter. Because of that, scientists had said earlier this year they did not expect the globe to surge to such record warmth until 2024. Friday's milestone offers yet more proof of how the planet has defied climate scientists' expectations this year.
1: And now we have a story from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. It's from the climate teams Michael Slizak and Jess Davis. It has the headline, Ditching School to Save the Planet. The story begins. Nirvana Telguga was 12 years old when she first walked out of school to join a climate protest. It was in 2019 and the massive school strike for climate demonstrations that year were among the largest protest events in the nation's history, and they were led by children. Fast forward four years, and this week Nirvana helped lead the latest strikes. With climate change giving her so much to worry about, Nirvana says being involved in the action and standing with thousands of other people who share her concerns helps her feel more positive. It's also not just me with a vision for a better future, who thinks that a better future is is a plausible reality. But as distress and anxiety about the dire impacts of climate change grow among children, the same can't be said for the school strike for climate movement. When Nirvana first protested, she was joined by hundreds of thousands of children around the country and millions more worldwide. Then COVID hit. After a hiatus during the lockdown, the numbers had never recovered. This year, organisers estimate that about 1,000 kids attended the Sydney rally on Friday, Another 2,000 joined the protest in Melbourne, many times fewer than before the pandemic. However, Owen McGee, a spokesperson for the Sydney strike, said the mood was empowering, despite the relatively low numbers. Let's listen now to a story from the Sydney Morning Herald by Peter Milne. It has the headline... Union calls for a united push to get behind WA's energy transition.
2: Union calls for a united push to get behind WA's energy transition. Outspoken union boss Steve McCartney wants the West Australian government to get unions, business and the community behind the state's energy transition, much like it has for Collie's move away from coal. The southwest town built on mining coal and power generation has long had questions about its future not just for the need to switch to cleaner energy, but the declining viability of its two coal mines. The concern became a reality in mid-2022 when the WA government announced its power utility Synergy would close its two coal-fired power stations there by 2029. There is also doubt about the longevity of the town's third power station, the privately owned Blue Waters. Australian Manufacturing Workers Union WA state secretary Steve McCartney said such change needed a coordinated approach not numerous government departments and ministers acting individually. You compare Collie to every other transition around the country at the moment and I think you'll find that Collie is holding its own McCartney said. The state government has put up more than $662 million to move the economy of the 800 strong community to new industries. The investment is based on a 2020 plan from a group of business, union, government and community representatives using the people-centered just transition approach. McCartney, who will speak at Friday's Energy Transition Summit called by Premier Roger Cook, said he would call for statewide Green Industry Council to design and implement an industry and jobs plan. Like many others, McCartney saw opportunity in WA's wealth of minerals needed for the move away from fossil fuels such as lithium for car and power grid batteries. Once upon a time, we turned big rocks into little rocks and sold them to someone else, McCartney said, calling for more minerals to undergoing value-adding processing here before being exported. Mineral Resources Managing Director Chris Ellison has long wanted to build lithium hydroxide refineries in his home state rather than export unprocessed spodumene from his mines. However, on Thursday Ellison said high construction costs in WA meant the investment would not stack up financially without significant government support that he did not expect to appear. McCartney said he wanted the state government, financially strong on the back of iron ore revenue, to launch a large-scale green industry attraction fund. There's a race around the world to try and get green industries into their countries, billions of dollars at play, and the state needs to invest heavily to ensure that we can get into, he said. He pointed to the federal government's $15 billion National Reconstruction Fund, launched a year ago to finance projects that diversify the economy, as a model for the Cook government to follow. With Cole's exit from the WA economy imminent, McCartney said it was not too early to start developing a transition plan for the gas sector that he expects would involve supporting the development of a green steel industry.
1: Next we have a story from D. Smog and it's written by Dana Drugman. It has the headline, More than half the world's largest companies' net zero pledges are false promises, study finds. The story begins. Companies' climate commitments are largely misaligned with their lobbying activities, with more than half of the world's largest corporations at risk of net zero greenwashing, according to a new report. An analysis of nearly 300 of the top companies from the Forbes 2000 list found that 58% didn't match their climate policy-influencing actions with their public claims of being committed to the Paris Climate Accord and achieving net-zero emissions. Net-zero greenwash, the gap between corporate commitments and their policy engagement, assessed companies lobbying against their net-zero pledges. It determined that a company is at risk of greenwashing if it has announced a net-zero or similar target but is not sufficiently supportive of policies needed to achieve the Paris Agreement objectives based on the Lobby Map platform that tracks corporate engagement on climate policy. Next we have a story from The Conversation. It has the headline, Five Reasons Why Climate Change May See More Of Us Turn To Alcohol And Other Drugs. The story begins, Climate change will affect every aspect of our health and well-being but its potential harms go beyond their body's ability to handle extreme heat, important as this is. Extreme weather events such as floods, droughts, storms and wildfires are becoming more frequent and severe. These affect our mental health in a multitude of ways. Coping with climate change can be overwhelming. Sometimes, the best someone can do is seek refuge in alcohol, tobacco, over-the-counter and prescription drugs or other psychoactive substances. This is understandable, but dangerous and can have serious consequences. We outline five ways climate change could increase the risk of harmful substance abuse. My screen is still full, full to the brim, with stories about the climate crisis, but I can't get to them all. So those I can't get to, you'll find links to in the show notes, so please go there and have a look. So considering that, We've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. Now, I'd love you to follow this podcast, because if you do that, you'll be alerted every time I publish a new episode. Also, I'd love to hear what you think about this podcast, so please email me at number 7 at icloud.com. Good or bad, don't hold back, let me know. Also, it's really important that you share this with a friend, because we all need to know all we possibly can about the climate crisis. We need to know what's happening, why it's happening, what's causing it, who's responding, who's not, and what we should be saying to others. So, until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Please take care, stay safe, and be kind.